Why struggle through a post-merger integration when you can glide through it? Why deal with the PMI integration challenges when you can overcome them even before they occur? Why move slow when you can move at pace? What are the world's leading PMI experts doing right now to achieve profit accelerating integrations? This podcast will give you all the answers to these questions and many more. My name is Dudley Peacock and welcome to the 100 Days and Beyond podcast. Good morning, Olivier. Welcome to the show and welcome everyone to 100 Days and Beyond podcast where we deal and we speak to and we deal with the issues of the day, probably even looking at trends and things that are going to be happening in the future. But we look at uh, mergers, acquisitions, but especially with a with a, with a slant towards what happens post-acquisition. What happens once the deal is done? Uh, once What happens once the strategy has been put in place and due diligence and documents have been done? Um, these days, uh, uh, in- integrations are not like they, I think, as they used to. I think they used to be. They are a lot more complex. Uh, the art and skill of, an, of a post-merger or a post-acquisition integration has changed significantly and and now these days practitioners people who are in that world are seeing fundamental changes to 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 the way that the world works so today 100 days and beyond podcast we are focusing on on who i think olivier maltese unbelievably brilliant guy we have um uh, olivia and i have been trying to get online probably for quite some time now and Olivia's been pretty pretty busy and and I'm 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 really keen to to get an update on on wherever he, uh, where his journeys have taken him and, and and some of the new things that are happening Olivia welcome and welcome to the show thank you very much Dudley thanks very much for having me this morning it's a it's a pleasure we had the opportunity to have a, a quick chat and and to have a very interesting discussions around what's going on, what has changed over the last two and a half years, how do you mm. see things, uh, what does it mean for our clients and, and corporation in general. Um, maybe a, a little bit of an introduction, if, if I may, just to help mm. the audience as well to better understand who I am, what I'm doing. Uh, I, I've been in the M&A arena for about now 20 years. Um, I've been assisting mainly large corporates in various industries um, in their sell and buy side operations, pre and post deal. And um, I've seen over the last five years, it, it dramatically changes way of embracing integration and any other transformation journey. M&A is a transformation per se. And um, there's a lot of lessons learned and loads of those and don'ts that we can share could be useful for the audience as well. Uh, I think that's something we discussed earlier on. And um, that will, I think, uh, fuel our discussions today. Today, Yeah, Olivia, and, and I want to touch on, and that's a great introduction. I want to touch on um, some of the things. I mean, you talk about uh, being managing partner. I mean, I, that's an interesting place to be where you've got to both look after your internal organization um, as well as client uh, interests and so on. I'd, I, I, maybe just at some stage, hopefully we get to it, but just touch on what it's like to, to manage um, an entity like yours 
um, as well as as take on the the the, the responsibilities. So once that responsibilities of a of a client project, but I want to get to that. But I just want to go through some of your the things that you mentioned on 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 um, on LinkedIn. You talk about corporate strategy, shareholder value creation, M and I, uh, sorry M and A, PMI carve out. I think we need to touch on carve outs because I think carve outs are becoming more and more critical these days. Transformation. Um, your work mostly London, Paris, across uh, that's across Europe. I mean, I suppose those are the key areas across across Europe. And I want to hear a bit about your travels between the two. I know you've you've moved uh, between the two. Um, there, there's one interesting part, and I and, and this is just for later on, just to keep the audience interested and 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 and, and know that we not don't just talk M and A, but we also talk about you talk you, you say that you're an avid runner. And that you like to travel with a travel with a family, um, and I just love this unapologetic Anglophile. Okay, I love that. Yeah, uh, a, a keen, if unaccomplished, classically trained musician in terms of violin, uh, an extensive orchestral experience, twenty years, and then you just add in there just just for flavour, a board member of three I three I three S Europa, the new space industries. Just for just for you know, just to keep it you know light. <laughs> so I, I want to touch on some of those things as well. And, and we've got an hour together. So Olivia, let let's let's go back into your journey. Let let's have a let's have a talk around sort of how did you get to where you are right now, and then let's talk about what's happening right now. What are the current projects you're busy with? Because I think they're fascinating. I think that there's a trend, and 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 we did touch on that before before, and I'd like you to expand on that. Uh, yes. In this Definitely, Dudley. Uh, as, as I said earlier on, they, they, there's definitely so many things happening, and more particularly over the last three years with the COVID and the consequences, runaway inflation, war in Ukraine, disruption in supply chain, the increasing search for environmental um, uh, conservation, ESG, and a lot of buzzwords behind that. Uh, they, they, they are more than trends now because it, it does come to reality. And while we see, generally speaking, at, at, at board level of listed companies is question marks around what do we do with our existing assets? And what would be the, the best path to create value, sustainable growth in a fast changing environment uh, with the ever changing um, um, geopolitical uh, situation as well? But there's a lot of considerations around transformation, inorganic growth, strategic alliances, joint ventures, different way of working. Of course, trying to embrace this kind of change is called for preparedness. Preparedness is not only your planning, it's transformation as a human journey. And that's something sometimes uh, people realize when they start their transformation journey. And that's something that we do realize. MA used to be very due diligence focused on the valuation risks deal, if I may. And integration in the past was something that we dealt with when we were closer to the um, to the, the closing date. Now th there's a lot of considerations around shall we start thinking about integration very early in the process? Would it be a deal breaker? Are we prepared to embrace integration? Where shall we start? How do we orientate the integration effort? Should it be a value creation, growth, 
endeavor? Do we have people in place? So there's a lot of challenges behind transformation. And when you discuss as well with investment bankers, there's no denying that the challenge is not necessarily to come up with a plan or strategic plan, a business plan, is, is the how and what are the key risks. And how do you, in the meantime, make sure that you can recover a post-COVID period, which is lots of challenges. But it's a, it's a do or die kind of strategy sometimes for our clients, but they don't necessarily have the choice to embrace changes. The question is, do I need to review my asset portfolio? Do I need to considerate potential m and But what's my strategy? Is my strategy aligned to my m and policy? Am I ready to do it? Uh, do I have a clear discussions or dialogue with my business units or the organization? Are they willing to uh, bring in the expertise and to uh, provide buy-in which is necessary to make this successful? But I think above everything, the main thing to me behind the technical side of it is the human journey. And you cannot embrace changes or transformation or M&A or carve-outs or, uh, of course, integration of brand new companies if you're not from a human side prepared to do it and how you uh, uh, onboard your teams, your management, make them understand understand what the vision is. But the vision is not enough. A business plan is not enough. You just need to spend a lot of time, money, of course, um, and efforts on explaining, supporting, uh, exciting people on, on, on the journey because it's a challenge. And that's, I think, one of the key lessons is that we need to quickly gauge preparedness, help leading companies, leadership team to highlight weaknesses and strength and how to support sometimes the 12, 18, 20, 24 months transformation journey, which is quite a long period of time. Yeah, and it is a long period. And, and, and I think many people don't realize that that when you start that journey, and, and, and I think you touched on a really important point there, and that it's transformation is about people. It's, I yep. think you can, with systems, you can probably flick a switch. With um, a business process, you can change it. I mean, you, in a day, you could sit there with a spreadsheet and you quickly type up a few things. But how do you bring the people along is, is the difficulty. Um, multicultural. Um, and also when you've got a culture of, of where you've got a larger entity and you're breaking them up into smaller component parts that now need to start operating independently and profitably and having lost that connection that they feel part of a bigger uh, group. I mean, you, you just have to, to a certain extent, look at Brexit to a certain extent, you know, there's, um, you know, regardless of your opinion, I think what happened is, is you know, there, there are a lot of times when there's a, uh, a uh, multi-entity sort of there's th th there's lots of uh, cross-section work that happens in in entities now you're splitting them up and they have to go in on their separate ways now start becoming self-sufficient uh, potentially when you're looking at uh, pmi or the post-merger integration or post-acquisition integration work again now you're trying to bring pe people together i think that transformation journey is is critical. Um, tell me about shareholder value creation. I mean, what what is a definition? Tell me what does that mean, and doesn't it does it exist? Right. The, I think the, the 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 rationale behind it was when I started to work on integration and carve out. There was a need to um, accomplish a process, carve this process this process out or the business unit out, and and we shall see. There's a need now 
uh, more particularly, I think at the post-COVID, to demonstrate that any transformation journey could be a spin-off, it could be a carve-out, a dual track with an IPO in mind, will do create value. I think to me, the key recipe of a carve-out is, is it strategically speaking a good, a good path? Can you execute quickly and, and ensure business continuity? But last but not least, can you create value for shareholders? And one of the key challenges when it comes to these kind of transformation is trying to reconcile capital market discipline with both operating model and business model. Operating model inside, the business model outside. And the shareholder value is, is uh, could be a technical, a theoretically kind of uh, uh, concept. But this is something that should lever a company based on levers that you can work on a daily basis. This is not something that should stay theoretical. That's something that you could uh, capitalize on or cash in on with clear KPIs along, along fiscal years to help your organization in the operating model. Could be supply chain, how you buy, how do you sell, how do you improve your profit margin, the free cash flow. You certainly need sometimes to educate you companies from a, a financial standpoint. The share of the value is nothing less than a translation of capital markets uh, KPIs into operational KPIs at, at the operating model. So that means uh, you will have assets or light asset kind of businesses. Uh, you will have capital allocation considerations taken into consideration as well. Uh, that should be embedded in your transformation journey. And, and that's the purpose, is to make sure that every transformation, every review of your asset portfolio will definitely create value, improve these KPIs or these ratios, which means something to the financial community, but something that your own team can't, can improve because this is a reality in their daily life. So the challenge is, is to reconcile expectation from financial markets to your team levers and KPIs that they're happy with and, and they're comfortable with achieving. And that's what that's that, that drives very interesting discussions with uh, advisors and, and board members and CEOs as well. So, so that's the purpose of it. Making a carve out for a carve out doesn't mean anything. You need mm -hmm. to make sure that the remaining business will definitely work, but will provide greater clarity, will be more asset efficient, will be in a much better position potentially to growth externally or to improve internally. And, and that's that's the idea behind that, uh, the shareholder value creation in the context of our M&A uh, journey. Yeah, and I, and I think uh, that is that, uh, like, like you said, there's a, there, often there could be clashes because uh, if, if, I'm a, if, if I'm an executive and I want to grow an entity or want to I do a carve-out and I'm taking the carve-out somewhere or or there's a separation of some sort and and you know all of a sudden my focus is now you know in that area or, or whatever it is there's there's a longer term view with the executive with a with the employees with the management they have a business building mindset if you like they want to grow they see opportunity they know it's going to take time to get that to, to make that a reality. So, so they've got a potentially a longer term view. Now you take capital markets and you take, 
investors and, and so on. And they're saying, no, 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 no. What's happening in the next quarter? You know, where, you know what's happening last month? Where, where's my revenue increase? Why is my balance sheet not improved? Uh, where's my EBITDA value that I thought I'm going to be getting? And then in terms of the strategic plan, they would have set up, uh, I, I would imagine some companies would do that right up front and say, these are the key metrics or KPIs or OKRs, I think they call it as well. Um, you know, there's so many different terms out there, but they're going to start with this a mindset of these are the things we want. This is how quickly we want it and so on. And your management team and, and even your customers and your suppliers are thinking in a different mindset. And just, I mean, that, tell, tell me about that dynamic, because that must be a really interesting. And I, I bet you play referee sometimes as well in between those two. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And, and again, there's no one fits all solution. Uh, first thing first, uh, industries have their own cycles. Uh, some industry is going to take a few years before you can see your product. Huge investments in the life sciences industry, for instance, where if you go to the software industry, there are strong expectations on how you're going to create synergies and how you're going to tap into new markets or to come up with some innovation. So it's always a very different way of uh, appraising how you're going to try to reconcile and explain the financial markets, how fast and how you're going to create value. Of course, there's strong expectations in the in the short and midterm. And I think one of these as well is not only KPIs, it's also based upon the quality of the team, the leadership team. And more particularly, when, when it comes to transformation journey, there's a lot of observations, lots of questions, lots of challenges around who's going to drive in conduct of growth, what are the background, where are they coming from? And we can see these intangible key assets growing and growing. And we've been working very closely with different advisors to anticipate and to understand who's going to drive these, to have internally the skills and talents to drive the growth. Uh, and that's one of the key challenges. But the time frame is a key one. You're absolutely right when it comes to uh, make sure that the financial um, arena do understand the strategy and the consequences of uh, reshaping the company uh, to making sure that there's a business continuity, that we embrace changes, that we are recovering well, is create stability while transforming a business is one of the other key challenges. Uh, but you're absolutely right. And there's an underlying kind of condition as well, which is uh, sometimes undervaluated, is the kind of information system you enjoy or not to support your transformation. Because we said transformation is a lot about a vision, financials. It's a big human transformation journey as well. But you need key enablers as well, because information system is all the more important. You're going to need to over-communicate uh, to explain with narrative where you are, how your strategy works, where you can see the first value and the shareholder value um, over the months, over the quarters, over the semesters. But reconciling both, I think, and that's why you have industry experts, investment banks as well, is, is a key thing that you need to address upfront. Of course, if it takes five or 10 years to have a new medicine on, on the market, it's absolutely different if you have uh, if you want to work on the metaverse or software um, and to capitalize on some very sophisticated processes with cobots, for instance, in the aerospace or defense industry, the timelines can be very different. 
I think the key risks uh, will depend on how small is the acquired company. Is it a startup, medium-style structure company, or uh, uh, larger companies? And how quick do we see the go-to-market process? And, and, and that's why the integration process is really important because a go-to-market, a growth-oriented uh, post-merge integration effort is key. There's no need to integrate every single process in place, organization. Uh, there's an 80-20 rule that really works and really important when it comes to satisfy these short, medium-term expectations is to make sure that we orientate integration process in light of market expectations as well. Not only, of course, you need to be realistic, but you need to embrace this very early in the process. And that's one of the key uh, uh, options that you have when, when, when you have to demonstrate this in a marketplace. Yeah, and and and, I, and I've got to say, I mean, I will touch on the the uh, the systems side of things as well because that <clears throat> requires a whole new and additional set of expertise that you might have to bring in, which means our additional teams that you have to involve in the sort of the rollout of your of your plan. But tell me about the budgeting side of things. I mean, you're going into an integration. You are you've got an you you've got a I don't want to use the word guesstimate, but you've got you've got what you think is is sh it should cost. I mean, these things do cost money. I mean, to do an integration, to to do a carve out, to do a separation, to do whatever it is that you're trying to do, it does cost money. To bring in to add to do value creation and synergy, you first have to invest. So 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 now you've got at the start of the process, you've got this this discussion that happens, you've got these plans that are rolled out and you say, we think it's going to cost a total of budget of this. This is the way the budget is, is, is broken down. This is where we're going to allocate funds. Okay. So number one, explain that process a little bit to me in terms of how you, how you manage that or who does that. And then secondly is let's say you have to now go and uh, uh, let's say adjust that budget. You need a little bit more money. You need to go and go through a um, a change request process. I, I mean, if in terms of project management, you have to go. You have to ask for more money because it was it was it cost you more than you thought. I mean, tell me tell me that you know that dynamic sort of first from the planning, and then from sort of how do you actually go through the process of getting more funds for uh, you know maybe there's additional things that have popped up that you couldn't foresee. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's a big, big, big thing. And as you said, it's it's an investment. I think as uh, again, um, behind the post-merge integration, you have so many different situations where uh, you could have a startup, a, a business based in one country or in 50 countries. Uh, you could have a combination of assets and chair deals. You could have adjacent or brand new businesses to to, to integrate. So the budget will definitely be driven by some complexities and length and priorities, because when it comes to integration as well, there's some priority areas that you absolutely need to miss in terms of uh, business continuity, in terms of go-to-market, countries, regulatory considerations. And we see that there's a lot of considerations to be uh, factoring when it comes to integration. There's a lot of benchmarks in the marketplace and I won't go on this one. It's very variable. Some people say it goes four up to 10% of the enterprise value when it comes to integration. Sometimes it could be higher. 
it really depends on the complexities of the cross-border efforts of the uh, uh, agency of the business is it a new one do you want and the integration model i think the integration model is the key point when it comes to pmi and integration model is successful when you understand early in the process where you can create value and when you want to protect value and protect value is about uh, talent retention which has a cost it's about making sure that you have an internal buy-in so you need to invest a lot of time explaining to make sure that as long as we embrace the due diligence process you already have in mind the top priority in terms of r d supply chain marketing super functions and where you want to absolutely put the efforts um, and and what the investment investment is uh, the same when it comes to integration there's an it consideration with costs in terms of data um, reconciliation uh, i've been involved in huge multi-billion integration where we spend months and months and semester reconciling data for the same kind of products but the packaging was different uh the tracking was different um and 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 it took time it was and, and it cost millions of dollars just to reconcile and make sure that we have quite quickly a relevant reporting the right kpis that everybody has with everybody's happy with uh in the combined industry so the investment is something which needs to be embraced very early in the process, which must be linked to the top focus area for your particular integration uh, in different areas for the product services, organization, IT to people. The change management is sometimes under evaluated, uh, but it costs. But again, you might need to start with coaching and then uh, based on the complexity, try to have a country slash function kind of strategy. But that's more or less what, what we see on the marketplace. To be completely open, it's sometimes underestimated and you learn by doing. Uh, you open the book so you can see the complexities. You enter into the information systems. You realize how different processes are, are how much time it takes to align people and visions and to change the working habits. Um, so that's something that needs to be an iterative kind of process. Again, we, we used to track integration not only on sales, uh, people retention, uh, but also and, and the project itself, but also on the budget. And mm -hmm. as long as you factor in the integration cost within budgets and that you have accountabilities behind it and you can track it because so many times uh, when you have a post-mortem review, people say we have 100 of synergies at the end of the day it was not in the budget nobody tracked it no accountabilities you're unable to track it and, and that's one of the key risks as well it's not only the quantum but it's always the process the accountabilities and for the next acquisition as well how do you capitalize on those and don'ts if you had to do the same acquisitions uh, how would you replicate and what would you avoid uh, when it comes to synergies most of the time the synergy capture plans is something used for the deal and then it vanished. The most important thing is to me in terms of budget as well is to make sure that's a continuity between what I would say the due diligence phase and the real post day one phase as well, which sometimes takes time, but you need to have clear accountabilities that people happy with the quantum. Is it realistic? How long is it going to take? Do you have resources in place to, um, to make sure it's going to happen? 
So it's the budget and the cost itself is credible as long as you have a clear view on what top priorities are. The process is clearly defined mm. and it's a tracking like a business as usual. As long as m is business as usual and you say we're going to track it, you're going to reward people on it as well, because sometimes the, the integration um, uh, role is a very difficult one. It's a very difficult one. It's not necessarily well rewarded. People think it's a one-off exercise, but, but it requires a lot of uh, technical communication, soft kind of uh, skills as well, more and more technical skills, technology skills and understanding. So it's a difficult one. Uh, but a budget is, yes, it's, it's a due diligence and process uh, challenges, I would say. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just I'm just thinking now, and it's it's um, there have been times, you know, in in, in some of the, the the instances that I've done this type of thing where uh, the employees are, are saying, okay, that's all fair enough. You got the general the talent that you want to hold on to, which is which is critical because there is a transformation process. Losing the the, the talent or the, the 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 key talent within the organization would be quite disastrous within an integration and even regardless even if you're doing carve outs or anything like that but then you have uh, the bulk of the other employees if you if you are talking about them too we've had it where where everyone is saying oh but but the private equity firm is making money or someone else is making money or the shareholders are making money what about us what what about the the, the employees and the and the people that work here, don't we get a bonus? Don't we get something for all the additional hours we have to put in to make someone else's strategy come true? I mean, do you does that have you has that come across your table? Yeah, always systematically. And what we try to identify as well is a pay to stay and a pay to perform kind of schemes, which are very different. Um, in this kind of journey, of course, you have people you clearly identify or positions that you identify but you don't have the skill internally so we will like to hire people away uh, and and that kind of scheme as well this kind of strategy or approach is sometimes unvaluated and, and what, what we try to do and, and again it really depends on every country employment environment as well you need to be very careful in france for instance what we're going to do how we're going to approach people what are you going to say and make sure that there's no leak that we could result in, in instability or uncertainty or people leaving the company as well. Uh, but, but the retention plan, how many people, uh, how do we approach them? How do we uh, build a, a good story? How do we make sure that they're incentivized and excited about the transformation? But it's not all about money. It's, it's about as well organization charts, responsibilities and accountabilities, and, and to make sure that people are happy with a long-term view. Uh, but the retention planning, yes, is a key early concern, um, not only about HR, but sometimes the CEO himself, uh, because it's so critical and it's consistent with what we said earlier on. It's a human journey. So if you now have people, um, uh, men and women on board, that really understand, have the stamina to uh, mobilize people, the, the grit to do it, because it's not an easy one, to explain, to make sure that their team will uh, be in a transformation kind of mindset. Uh, this will be a higher risk uh, for your integration or your transformation to be unsuccessful. Uh, and, and that's most of the time one of the key reasons. It's not about money. It's about clarity. It's about consistent of your strategy. 
It's about um, creating a story which makes sense, consistent with your growth journey, embracing external drivers, realistic, honest, and it comes to communication as well. Uh, everything is, there's a convergence in this kind of endeavor. You don't work in silo. Your communication, your change, your retention planning, your organization charts, the way you're going to operate, do you consider externalizing or not? All will have a consequence on how you're going to be successful on your transformation journey because this needs to be consistent, not only driven by the cost reduction kind of effort. Of course, sometimes you have a, you need to consider a linear kind of organization, but you also need to explain and to have a strong rationale behind your transformation and how to make sure that people understand that this is feasible, this is consistent, cogent to the strategy, and you provide them with the enough resources to do it. Uh, writing a transformation is not difficult, much more difficult when it comes to real life. And that you need on a daily basis to ensure your business as usual as well. How do you explain to your customers, uh, to your banks, to your suppliers, to your partners? Uh, they will have lots of questions as well. Uh, so that's a all-in-one kind of uh, story that you need to build and, 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 and to make sure that it's consistent and to explain, explain, and explain. It's, it's, a, it's another job for, uh, I would say, the leadership team. It's a full-time job sometimes, definitely. Yeah, and it, and it seems to me often it's it's uh, lots of uh, juggling lots of balls. There's, there's yeah. constantly there's the things that can go wrong, and you have to keep an eye on on so many aspects all the time. If you lose touch with something, it could just sort of just domino and just, fall over, fall over, fall over. And, yeah. and if, as the one falls over, you're just fighting fires all the time. So you try and um, imagine catch it early and so on. I want to ask you just with regard to your organization, if I uh, tell me a little bit about your, your client. So your client comes, uh, I mean, just tell us about your client engagement. So you, and your organization. So you, you engage with somebody uh, with, with an, with an entity, what are the key things they come and say they want at the start of the relationship? T tell me about how that start happens. Like, th they would come in and say, we want this. Now, what, what is the this in, in, that, in that conversation? That's, that's a very good point, Dudley, because this, again, we talked about trends uh, at the beginning of, of our podcast. And um, in professional services, there's more than a trend, than a requirements. Wherever it's a carve-out, integration, a transformation, uh, I think clients, because now they have internally former consultants, former M&A uh, professionals, uh, understand the way it works. And there's a high request, a high demand for seniority, insights, commitment as well from the partners to be on site, a real kind of partnership way of working. And that... that Availability is key as well. Uh, these are very highly demanding uh, journey, um, fast changing, um, and, and and it's like I think the winning kind of uh, way of working is a partnership. Really putting your client's shoes, understand the risks, their personal situation as well. You could be in a situation where you're going to work with some somebody who just joined the firm. You're going to work with someone who's in the firm for about 25 years. So I think first thing first is to really understand, better figure out in what situation your client clients are. And that's a good way to support, to assist them, to advise as well. Uh, and that, that's one of the key thing is how, how much time are you going to spend personally 
time on, on the project. Uh, availability inside. Will you support me in workshops? And, and that, that, that's one of the key, key changes, I would say. There's less um, request behind what will be the methodology. We'd like to have a feed-for-purpose approach, much more than a on-the-shelf uh, with Chevron and, and different processes, because we do believe that share value creation is and it's a unique story. It's a unique story because every company mm -hmm. is different, different cycles, different economic situations, different story. You could be working with a company who has acquired 10 companies over the last six years. So of course, the integration process might be very different. Um, so that, that's, that's the key request. And, and again, the way you're going to work with our team um, is, is there's a lot of question around the, the way of working, uh, the seniority um, and, and the, uh, the ability to have an in-depth understanding of the processes and the organization, but also the ability to embrace a, as we say, the capital market strategy insight. Uh, and reconciling both is a key differentiator, definitely. Yeah, so that, that leads me then to the, one of the questions that I wanted to ask you. I mean, you, you've got um, you got clients coming to you um, looking for your services, uh, and then they buy you or they buy the management team in terms of, you know, we want you to be part of it. Don't not prepare to, to accept just a junior coming on site and and doing a few things and 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 looking like they they know what they're doing. We want we want you. We want you the partner. We want uh, you know we want the senior team as part of this because it's often big budgets i mean we're talking about serious implications for that i mean these are business critical things that you're busy with so now how do you balance the being a uh, the, the sort of a managing director partner as well as doing client work i mean I, i'm just i'm so interested in in in, in that in that part portion yeah yes that, that, that's that's obviously a key, a key challenge but it, it holds uh, relies on how, how on how you work and one of the top priority when we say uh we definitely commit ourselves to spending a lot of time with our clients is to make sure that we spend time when it's necessary and you don't need to be monday to friday you need to be at the right moment the project are different cycles and you need to make sure that at, at the very beginning uh when it comes to structuring to building a vision uh to make sure that everything is on track you're going to spend a lot of time uh, Moving forward, when, when, when the process is underway, you're going to review the way of adding value to your clients. When you have a team on place, each team on places, uh, with different processes in place, uh, it's a different journey. Uh, we also work with different partners. And we, we do think that it's, it's, um, it's a one-team kind of approach, much more than one person. Uh, of course, we have different skills and specialties in the industry understanding. Mm -hmm. Uh, but that's, that's a, again, an honest way of working with clients, which means we will be there. We have the experience. We know how it's going to be very important for you. And that's the way we provide the, the services along the, the, the project. Again, it's not a linear one. Uh, it's, we, we, we understand at the beginning. Again, it will depend on, on our clients' DNA as well. Are they familiar with integration? Have they done it in the past? Mm. Do they know the company very well? Or did they join the company two years ago? And all these ingredients will be factored in the way we're going to support them. Uh, with the team, we have other um, senior people as well with us working. Uh, and, and that's the way we operate uh, most of the time with our clients. 
No, I like that. And 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 also what uh just for the for the sake of the audience is that often integrations or any of this type of work, a lot of the um a lot of the work gets done by the people within the organization too. Yes. So that's hence your your approach is it's a strategic joint approach. Now I want to just shift gears slightly and and when we were chatting before the episode, I mean you were you were sharing some of the some of the really interesting things that you you've been busy with over the last the last few months and and I suppose the last six or twelve months, <clears throat> I want I want you just to sort of touch on maybe um, a few golden nuggets, a few things that you've you've learned, the do's and don'ts, some some key things that you might want to just share with the audience that I think are critical in terms of where things are right now in in this space and where you think think things are going and 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 that's I mean that. That was a fascinating portion, and I want you to expand on that, please. I'll try to read again. <laughs> uh, yeah, we 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 fortunate to 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 get involved in in very significant, complex global transformation journeys, and 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 we learn with our clients as well because again, it's always a new story for them and for us. Uh, I think when it comes to a large transformation, which is a a, a a little revolution within companies sometimes, which didn't really move over the last 10 years or 15 years. And again, COVID really challenged a lot of way of working, uh, the work from home, uh, clients, customers' expectations, uh, what does it mean for our business now, etc., etc. I think um, one of the key observations, I would say, much more than a lesson, is uh, as long as you a board or CEO make a decision of embracing a transformation, uh, not only the risk assessment should be uh, an in-depth exercise, but as I said, the human side of it, and more precisely, the team you have with you, the advisors, the real requirements, needs of change management are key enablers. You will always have the methodology, you will always have a PMO or resource management fees, whatever you call it, uh, to put in place, even if even if it's always a challenge. But to me, beyond the vision, of course, you have to have a, a, a clear vision uh, to embrace external and internal risks and capabilities. Uh, what does it mean for our customers? What does it mean for our partners? How do I embrace capital market expectations in potential business? Um, are those changes? But the, the human side of it is really important. The, the second point, as you mentioned earlier on, is the time frame, the timeline you need to orchestrate it. There's always a balance on we need to go fast, but we also need to take time when it comes to real key strategic decisions. Where do we want to branch out? Do we need to change the brand? What does it mean? Uh, do we really want to? change our business model, will people understand on a marketplace? And how does he mesh with our equity story? What, what are we going to tell the financial community? As you said, in the short term, medium and long term as well. So as you can see, there's a lot of challenges. But for me, preparedness in terms of the vision and the, I would say, resources, internal resources are very key to mitigate the risks of a transformation journey. Um, again, you could come up with brilliant ideas, uh, very insightful. Uh, if you're not really on day one, so to speak, of when you're going to start building 
if you're a new organization, that's one of the key challenges. And, and that, that, that's because organization doesn't have people in the, in, in the, in the room, uh, lazy and nothing, doing nothing. There's always, of course, very uh, busy people. And we need to find out who will be the best to drive the change because it's a very different, uh, politically charged, uh, position in the, in the company. You need to have someone with very strong communication skills, find a consensus, which is firm as well, stick to the strategy and the timeline, able to deal with a complex project. You don't need to be a pundit on experts, but you need to understand the risks and the rationale behind the project. To have a global mindset as well, to embrace different corporate culture traits from a region to another, uh, and to the financial, I would say, culture as well. Uh, because at the end of the day, you always come to, um, um, to financials and, and to have always this in mind, which is really important. So I would say reconciling projects, human and financial side of it are very, very important, uh, generally speaking, before you embrace uh, a change. Because things are going to change. It's going to take one. It's going to take two years. You never know what's going to happen. Um, and, and, and having a strong team working as one with the same vision, which is always very difficult to obtain, is, is a key question for leadership teams um, to, to think about at, at the beginning. And, and again, there's a lot of question marks by current companies say, shall we do that? Shall we spin off? Shall we sell some of the business? Um, selling a business is very different from embracing a spin off. And, and the consequences and the risks are very different. And sometimes it's not really clear in some people's mind um, and that, that's a different process that's a different way of mitigating risks and opportunities uh, but reconciling strategy the human side of it with financials is a key thing that you need to be obsessed with from the very beginning I would say in, in a nutshell at a very high level yeah I think you were mentioning that spin-offs and 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 the sort of separations um, of, of entities, uh, that seems to be more of a trend than, than the, the joining of entities and merging, you know, as this, everyone wants to just get bigger, 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 bigger. <clears throat> and now there's this rethink about the model, um, you know, is bigger, better, uh, that type of, you know, those kind of big picture strategies just tell us, you know, but a bit about your experience right now around yeah. that sort of space. Yeah, as you can see on on, on the newspaper, this uh, there has been huge uh, spin-offs in, in various industries, pharmaceuticals. Uh, historically speaking, pharmaceuticals and life sciences were very clear with different therapeutic areas, different market, different capital allocation, different investments in R and D. Uh, but we've seen that with different companies like GSK, uh, GE, J and J and some Japanese firm as well. Um, when we mentioned earlier on the capital market expectation discipline and, and how they understand capital allocation, investment, R&D, um, new management, uh, the strategy per se, uh, they, 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 there are a lot of questions around shall we, how shall we reconsider our assets, exiting assets. If you take over the last 25 years, there's been a, a huge appetite for consolidation ERP enable processes, shared services, uh, sometimes PPO, which had a lot of successes. Uh, and when it comes to reconsidering re your assets and when it comes to uh, deal with interdependencies and entanglements, it's another story. So it's much more complex. 
it result in higher one-off and run rate costs, uh, retention people, and so on. But there's a key trend. The, the key thing, you could have a lot of discussions around, shall we consider it? One of the key aspects is, what does it mean? How long is it going to take? What are the key risks? How will be the financial market uh, reaction? Are we ready to do it? What kind of KPIs and financial system shall I have? How will my leadership team look like? Uh, does it meet customer expectations tomorrow? What will be the next steps as well? Because internally, uh, when you start with this kind of journey, you need to be ready and address a lot of questions uh, to unions, to your employees, to your customers, to your partners, to your bankers, lenders, and so on. So you need to really be very demanding with yourself and, and to have a clear vision, view on how well this works. Of course, there's always risks. You need to have mitigation plans. The market is a market, so it could change. Sometimes you have more visibility on markets than other ones. Uh, it depends on the kind of your clients, the regulatory environment, where you make business, how you most mostly in the US, Europe, and Asia, how you're more balanced. Um, uh, did you recently buy new companies? Uh, how integrated are you, etc., etc. There's a lot of things to be done earlier to consider that. There's a lot of pressure behind with considering uh, new businesses with different capital education needs, different way of creating value, different needs, uh, uh, thinking about the different branding as well. Um, lots of synergies, lots of inefficiencies that could be dealt with potentially in a spin-off kind of reaction. But these are complex, risky, and 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 and, and kind of medium-term kind of journey. But there's, there's more than a trend. There's a lot of considerations around that. Of course, you need to think about when as well is the best moment to embrace it. Mm -hmm. How are you going to communicate it? What does it mean in terms of tax and legal structuring? Um, there's a lot of considerations, but this is more than a trend in various industries that we see on the marketplace for the moment, yes. So, so one of the things that 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 come to mind as I as I hear you speak, Olivia, and I mean I've I've spoken to you a few times now, and it's always been fascinating speaking to you. Um, for for me, it comes to mind as is a guy like you, and and I'm I'm sure your your the company that the you know that that you have and so on. It's it's the quality of the questions um, that that need to be asked um what happens i think a lot of times is that executives and non-execs are making decisions often with a particular lens of you know doing certain things then if they make decisions and they haven't those let's call it those um those decisions or even the thinking or the lens has not been let's call it stress tested bringing an organization like yourself or an individual like yourself in to come and do the, you know, uh, let's not let's not call it interrogation, but let's call it call it uh, the the questioning of of the thinking of the and do they understand what the implications are with your with your experience and with the number of integrations and separations and and spinoffs and so on that you've done, you've you've built up a library of of questions and 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 approaches and so on, and and you could almost in a certain way if you say if you go this direction potentially these are the consequences or even unintended consequences of taking these type, types of actions have you considered this have you considered that and and i think that's what a lot of bigger uh, companies are, are are doing a lot these days is bringing external people in 
often to guide the thinking and the decision-making process. And the earlier they bring people like yourself in to a process, I'm thinking, would, would make sure that they have stress-tested, I would say, the assumptions that they've made to a certain extent, and then uh, almost, in a way, give themselves a much better chance of having a success of the value creation that, you, that, you, that you're talking about. Would you, would you say that, that is, that's one of the big sort of things that you do when you bring to companies, when you start engaging with, with an executive? Yes, absolutely, Dudley, because... This will definitely drive as well the way we're going to assist our clients. Uh, our, our job consists in asking as many questions as we have in mind. As I said, not only on the companies itself, but the history of the company. But some of them are very well-known blue-chip companies. is easy. But sometimes when it comes to medium-sized companies, you need to understand the story itself. Was he a, a PE-backed-up company in the past? Are they... Um, familiar with the M&A process and the PMI. Uh, what's the leadership team look like, the background, what kind of market do they address, uh, how strong is the information system and the process, uh, et cetera, et cetera. All the potential opportunities or risks that may result in more complexities, higher costs or risks when it comes to consider M&A. So lots of questions about the history, the organization, the market, the assets, you don't have the balance sheets, the, the people as well, very, very key. And I think of the private equity key, key point is to challenge, understand who they are, how capable they are to embrace the change and to drive growth. Um, and, and you can quickly see when you have a CFO with a PE experience in a corporate, uh, the reflex and, and the questions and the way they analyze it. It's very, very, very easy to identify. Uh, but it's it's very about the, we are now today in this company, what's the story? Where do we want to go? Uh, are we ready to do it? Or what are the key risks you need to anticipate? Mm -hmm. Of course, it's easy to say because there's always a kind of urgency sometimes. It really depends. Um, sometimes you have some kind of risk by the CEO. I want to make one or two acquisitions that the analyst asset in the marketplace. I want this technology. I want this brand because we want to expand in this kind of country. So sometimes you need to uh, have a dialogue, honest dialogue on what you observe, uh, not necessarily a criticism, but what you observe and the need to embrace, not only in the process, but in the project itself, in the communication and, and, and to anticipate. There's a lot of anticipation. The, the reality is most of the time NA is very deal focused course you need to, to make a deal you need to have a good SPA um, more and more we see improvement when it comes to starting integration discussions early in the process uh, if you work with a huge big blue chip US companies you could have dozens and dozens of highly experienced internal PMI sources uh, they're very well known the organization the information system they have a, a process in place they have mm. people on board with financials, people go to market approach, uh, but most of the time it's not the case, and that's and that's where you see uh, local differences from a country to another in Europe. Uh, the, the way people think integration might be also very different. So, mm -hmm. the, the scope, the corporate culture trait, history, the organization, the, the skeleton of the company is really important to understand before you say, "Oh, we're going to do it this way," or "We're going to do it that way." 
I think the process, the structure, the team needs to reflect where you are today and what you want to achieve. Uh, and that's why we talked about the fit for purpose, tailored to need approach, much more than a generic kind of I deliver blueprints, I come up with an Excel spreadsheet or roadmap of integration and so on. You need to fine tune and to make sure there's a buy-in behind that and that the leadership mm -hmm. is with that, is in a position to cascade down into the companies and create accountabilities. As we said, there's a lot of consistency between all this. What kind of question, how do you structure it? Uh, does it mesh with your strategy? Can you can you execute quite quickly? What does it mean in terms of capital market, shareholder value creation? Do you have assets in place? What kind of team you want to uh, structure? Um, and there's a lot of questions to, 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 to start with. Of course, it's not an easy one because due diligence is a full-time job. It's a complex one, lots of negotiations. Mm -hmm. Of windfalls and 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 normalize BDR and free cash flow considerations and SP as well. That's you have to do it. Uh, but again, I think anticipating integration or any carve out uh, on how you concretely how you're going to do it because you're going to be judged as well on on how, how good you are at making this kind of operation is very important. Yeah, and 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 I often. Um, uh, the one of the things that that interest interests me and and that I see impact uh, the decision making processes is how did the idea originate? Is it an investment bank that said this looks like a good idea? Go and buy that company, um, or was it internally saying we think we need to grow and we think an acquisition is is a good idea? Because there are multiple other alternatives. I mean, there's joint ventures, there's affiliations. There's um, we're doing things like BPO. I mean, business uh, process outsourcing, and so I mean, there, there are multiple ways of of increasing, improving, and growing a company. Yes. You don't just have to buy other entities. Or there's other ways of 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 um, doing your 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 splitting and your carving outs and so on. So so yes, I mean, that's always interesting. Is is where the idea came from? It often is 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 what what drives the the you know the actual thinking so tell me a bit about about that and then we're getting close to the hour then i want to try and wrap up yes yeah i think that this the different again there are different situations where obviously investment bankers are at at, at the beginning of the story and observing how how the market is evolving what the key the business you need to have in place um is it the right moment um capital allocation uh what are the key trends saying what are the key competitors doing as well so and sometimes we have a leadership team which is in a position to uh, embrace a change. Making acquisitions um, is it the same kind of business? Do you want to grow market share? Do you want to acquire technology? Are you ready to do it? Um, it, it depends on your growth story. The other point is depends on if you have a brand new CFO with an M&A background uh, who is convinced that there's a lot of things to be done to uh, mitigate different risks in terms of business units to divest and invest in different other units uh, u1 or existing one this will be different but most of the time mm. there's a a, a a a i would say depending on if you're listed or not as well it would definitely change a lot because mm. you need to have a, a clear view on your peers your competitors uh, do you want to be a software or bpo like companies depending on your people intensive or not companies you need to understand yourself before you come up with a potential move how are you perceived on the marketplace and how are you going to explain that your business model through MA or not or through a spin-off or not will change this and that's the right thing to do 
uh, I think that's a, a good consideration. Sometimes you could have a, 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 a discussion with the board, the CEO, and try to design different options, again, with the pros and cons, what does the market says, are you ready to do it and, and to start something. But most of the time, for the time being, it's investment bankers that, that drive this, uh, this, kind of, this kind of move. But again, I think uh, because we are living in a very special period of time, uh, there's a lot of board members and, and CEOs and leadership team that's well aware that there's, uh, as I said, a do or die kind of strategy um, that goes through transformation. Yeah, and, I, and I'm just thinking, you know, these days competition and and comparing competitors are not is not is not as easy as what it used to be. No. Um, there are are non-competing competitors. Um, you know, all you have to do is look at the at the comparison between something like a Netflix versus a TikTok. You know, uh, as an example, I mean, they're not in the same industry, but the one is affecting the other and you know indirectly indirect competition and i mean there's so many different reasons why somebody would start this journey and 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 it's, it's how you communicate that to the market to the different stakeholders to the suppliers the customers the employees and so on would, would you agree with that and i think it, it's all starts with understanding customers needs and requirements over the next 5 10 15 years what are the key trends why would you invest so much money and take so much so many risks if you don't understand what the market is expecting. Uh, I think Ross will go through that. So there's a, a goal to market, customer focused organization, what our expectations are. And it's very different if you go to a gaming or a pharmaceutical or entertainment or whatever. But it's all about first understanding what the key trends and your conviction, how well big the market is. Uh, is it easy to tap into this market? Where shall we go? Is there any regional uh, fast growing? Uh, business markets, are we over there? What does it mean for us? Is there any regulatory issues? Uh, and then transformation, M&A, just an answer to that. Uh, but it all starts with, yes, we need to change something and we try to find a path to satisfy a, a demand, a customer needs or requirements as much as we can. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just as a, as a, as a case, quick case study before we go into some of the personal things is, is a company like Facebook um, now become Meta, I mean, they 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 appeal to a particular generation. That generation is is now 15, 20 years on, 15 years on. Um, they're now in a different age group. Um, they're buying up additional assets that are potentially now focusing on on a different age group. They're trying to re redo an old platform, and it's not even that old anymore. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm saying that th things are things are speeding up, and things like product market fit. Or service market fit, or product market service fit, um, plus your ability to deliver your technology. I mean, there are just so many variables. It's just unbelievable. I mean, the complexity has just exploded. And and a guy like you asking the right kind of questions, I believe, is what companies need to to, to just to rethink, you know, their strategy and and where they come. And not from an investment banker point of view, but from a practical integration point of view, like the practical side of things of taking and implementing those decisions where what would you say what does it mean yes definitely yeah that, that's a that's a big question mark around how how will this work how long is going to take there's not a lot of question of how much it's going to cost but is it worth it do i have the good assets in place um you could have some of the war gaming kind of exercise how will my competitors react are we able to react uh, are we strong enough uh, where shall we start shall we start in the us or in other regions uh, do we have the leadership team in place? So many questions, it's 
always, always, always a, a, a unique situation that you, you're going to deal with. There's no, you know, um, uh, one fits all solution to these, these, these questions. And it's getting more and more complex because there's a convergence of technologies and acceleration of, of trends. People are going to more sharing than owning sometimes. There's a lot of new trends, new, new view, where are your top priorities working from home or not. They have so many different viewpoints on that. Uh, how will the future jobs look like? What are you expecting and how will you consume? Uh, these are the key, key trends which will drive key investments um, mm. like m and for instance, or not. So you need to be uh, quite careful and, and quite successful in the integration. Therefore, again, it's uh, you need to integrate where it matters. Always start with the end state in mind. Make sure you have the right people on board to support mm. the transformation journey. So that's very, very important. Yeah, thank you very much for that. And and Olivia, that, that was brilliant. I mean, we we gone slightly over time, but I, I don't I want to get to the to the major to the major question in terms of personal side of things. Um, uh, and I do want you on uh, on another episode. Uh, you you going on leave now? I think and you know take a bit of a break, and then you're back at the next project. I think you were talking about September. Um, but you talk about being an avid runner and a traveler with your family. And, and, and I just want to just, you know, the, the kind of responsibility that you take on as managing director, as leader of, of, of different, of major projects and so on, traveling a lot, spending a lot of time away from home potentially, or, or potentially, you know, always in front of a screen when you're at home, uh, that type of thing. Just tell us how you balance. I mean, you know, be, you know do you, how do you get out for a run? How do you sort of keep yourself traveling and, and, and sane in this world? So I'm, I'm a strong advocate for goals and routine. And I try to uh, make sure that these goals and routine are fitting my working life. So sometimes you do not need to be perfect. You make sure that you run twice or three, four times a week. Uh, if it's only 20, 30 minutes or an hour and a half. And it's all about greet and make sure that it is as important as as, as your job, to be honest. And um, and you can do it. If you just run twice a week, twice a week, but at least you're going to do it. And if you make it as a key success driver, because you do need it, uh, it will work. It just you. It's part of your life. So you don't think twice, but shall I... Shall I run or swim or do something? You just need to be there because it's going to help. And if you travel a lot, just to make sure you can can run and you're going to do it. Um, and again, it's as well making sure that you have when you have your personal time, you don't you don't negotiate it. You make sure that you are with your family and your loved ones. And it's a very demanding job, traveling a lot. Uh, you need to be very focused. Um, but again, I think it's more kind of a routine, a good discipline, which makes you more easy to, you know, embrace a lot of traveling. When you travel, there's a lot of issues, cancellation and so on. So you're more ready, your mindset as well is ready to accept that as well. Uh, and, and show more flexibility in your mindset. Uh, make sure that, okay, it's going to happen, it's happening, and I just have an option B or C or D. Uh, nothing going to collapse. It just need, you need to move forward. and and. My experience now over the last 25 years shows that, of course, the world has, has changed dramatically, uh, but you can make it. It's just lots of organization, yes, lots of participation. Um, you, you, you definitely rely on strong team, uh, good mindsets, flexibility. You need to be credible, uh, available, very important. 
uh, but it works. It works, and uh, it's just about organization and, and grit, making sure that you never give up what you think is really important for you to to move forward. And 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 that's it. I would say it, it's it's not that difficult. It's just about the uh, willingness to do it. <laughs> it's it's not it's not uh, getting into a habit of postponing it. It's getting into a no, habit of, yeah. of blocking no, the time. No procrastination. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. As long as you enjoy it, you know, you do it very easily. Um, it's like if you wake up at six in the morning and you have a run at six thirty during summertime, it's easy. Um, and, and you know that your journey is going to be very different. Your day is going to be different. Um, and, and that's the way I think I see I see life as well. Nice. I just, just uh, as we as we knock off, uh, Olivia, thank you very much uh, for joining so us much. today on the Hundred Days and Beyond. Um, uh, how do people get hold of you? How do they get in touch and speak to you or, or even one of your partners um, and so on? Tell, tell oh, us. Yeah, thanks very much, Tedley, for that. Uh, I've lots of opportunities through LinkedIn. Uh, I'm, I'm fortunate to be both in London and Paris, uh, traveling all over Europe. Uh, so it's, that's the easiest way. Um, I definitely uh, uh, welcome uh, developing a good networks on both sides. I have lots of... Um, opportunities and guest speaker uh, over the next month uh, on MA and and that's the way it works that's the easiest shortest and efficient way to get in touch with me definitely fantastic thank you very much thank you for joining us and uh, Thanks, appreciate Dylan. that please stay on the line i just want to say goodbye to 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 our audience Okay, so thank you everyone for joining us today on today's podcast, 100 Days and Beyond, where we speak to the merger and acquisition of fraternity, the guys that uh, and girls that do the post-merger or post-acquisition integration work. And as you can see, it's it's a lot more complex. It's it's In fact, it covers so many different areas and it's not just about merging and bringing entities together, but it could be carve-outs, it could be separations, it could be spin-offs. And there are tons of uh, ways in which integration practitioners get involved in the day-to-day -day operations of entities and help them be successful. And I think it's an unsung um, uh, group of people that that really make the difference. And, and one of the key things that stood out for me, especially for Olivier, was that ability to ask those questions, to drill down and to fully understand the requirement to fully understand where everything is and come from the outside into an entity or into an organization and be able to steer and lead that entity in, in the right direction and building the right kind of teams and, and so on around around him. And then obviously maintaining habits, <laughs> good habits around exercise and family and, and so on. Thank you very much for joining us today. And, and we look forward to you, uh, to you joining us on our next episode of, of 100 Days and Beyond. Goodbye, everyone. Hi, everybody. This is Dudley again. And if you need help with a future or existing post-merger integration, I want to invite you to arrange a free, no obligation meeting with us. During the meeting, we'll find out exactly what you need, what your challenges are, and we'll explain how our unique PMI slipstream method can help you. Simply call us or visit mergerintegration.co.uk. That's mergerintegration.co.uk or come to our website, skillfulpursuit.com.